Good morning. Happy Sunday. August 2nd, 2020. Uh, what a day. Good to see you this morning. For those of you that are just jumping on or those of you that are already on, welcome. Thank you for being here on time. For those of you that are just getting here, get the cobwebs out of your eyes. Rub the sleeps out of your eyes. Jesus is still on the throne, folks, and we're excited to be here today. I'm happy you're here. I hope wherever you are, I say this every week, and I really don't just say it as a, as a, as a word. I really do mean it. I hope wherever you are, you're safe um, and that you are healthy. Um, that, that takes on a whole new meaning nowadays, uh, but we do. We pray that you're safe and healthy. Thank you for all of you that are joining with us from wherever you are. I mean, we, it seems like still to, to till that we still get people uh, letting us know that they are connecting with us uh, from um, all over uh, the country. We've even had people connect to us all around the world. So wherever you are today, welcome. Thank you for being a part of Antioch West Virtual and we're so happy we're, you're here, excited for you to be here. Um, and uh, you know what? It's awesome. Today is a great day because Jesus is in charge. And Jesus is still on the throne. As long as he's on the throne, no matter what we're going through, it doesn't matter. So, again, welcome. If this is the first time you've been with us, so thankful that you found us and you're watching us this morning. And I, and I pray that something that's said or done today would get you one step closer to Jesus Christ. And um, it's not about following a man. It's not following a philosophy. It's not even really about being a part of some kind of cool church. It's really about connecting to Jesus Christ. And I'm um, not saying we shouldn't be a part of a church and we shouldn't have people in our life that we can connect with. All that's a part of the entire package. Uh, but ultimately, it should and always will come down to Jesus. It's you and Jesus. And that's sort of the challenge. Just digress here for a second. That's sort of been the challenge of our current uh, state of affairs, if you want to call it that, is the fact that we are all having to um, deal with the reality of our own spiritual condition. Um, that a lot of the things that uh, I said this, I think it was last week or, or maybe the week before, I used the term um, suppressed symptoms. Sometimes a lot of things in our life can suppress certain symptoms and we don't know we have uh, certain things going on in our life because the symptoms that would bring those to the uh, surface are suppressed. Suppressed by circumstances or suppressed by certain things in our life. And you know what? That's the danger sometimes of religion. Religion can suppress the emptiness of not really knowing Jesus Christ. The mechanics of religion can suppress the intimacy of fellowship with him. Um, and then when you strip all that away in the last you know four months, and it's amazing. I have friends, uh, pastor friends from all over the country, and so uh, we've texted back and forth and we've talked, and a lot of us are sharing some common experiences. Um, depending on what part of the country you're in, some parts of the country, they're having a good old time. They're all meeting and enjoying life. And uh, I told one friend the other day, we were talking on the phone, he was talking about the fact of, he was describing the part of the country he's in and they were, they went to this restaurant and they went out to this place and they went shopping here and they did all that. And, you know, they went to, a, uh, to, to, uh, to this particular place and, and it, uh, it was a 
play you know, like a place of entertainment and um describing all this stuff and I laughed. I said, Man, you are describing a world I know nothing of. Because that's not the witness and the bubble the bubble we live in in our particular uh piece of the country, that is a world I know nothing of. And but I have friends and other pastor pastor friends of mine that are experiencing uh, the same uh, thing. We, as a f- uh, friend of mine, pastors in California, um, they were they had to get a permit to be able to hold an outdoor service in California. Um, they can't have indoor. They had an outdoor. They had one outdoor service. They got the permit. The next day, the government removed the permit. Said you can't meet anymore. So we're all kind of dealing with this sort of idea that so many things that we're so used to has been stripped away. But one thing that cannot be stripped away and really comes down to you as an individual, and that is, it's the vertical. You can remove the horizontal. I mean, we even find in scripture where even, you know, the the the, uh, the uh, apostle John was isolated on an island um, and removed from the horizontal things of life, but you can never remove the vertical. The vertical is up to you. You can't blame this. I don't know why I'm saying this today. We jumped right in it. Man, boy, we're right into it. So this is, uh, I'm saying this for somebody. Uh, I know it's Sunday morning and you're just kind of get waking up and maybe you're just a little groggy and this is the last thing you want to hear. I get it, but I'm trying to obey Jesus. You can say the horizontal uh, things of life, circumstances, relationships, all this stuff, you know, all these things, they have an effect on us, no doubt. But you and you alone control the vertical. Your relationship with God comes down to you and him. It cannot be uh, pinned on anybody else. It can't be pinned on a pastor. It can't be pinned on a church. It can't be pinned on anything around you. It really comes down to you and him. And when you strip all this away, and we've stripped away so many things that are typical um, mechanisms that we use. And I'm not saying any of them are wrong. Uh, coming together, gathering together as a church, not wrong. It's biblical. That's not the season we're in right now, uh, especially where we are. And, and um, for those of us that live in Maryland, that's not where we are right now. But it's biblical. One day it's, we'll, we'll be back together again. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, churches are meeting right now today, and there's nothing wrong with that. But you know what? When you strip all that away, I've learned and seen and observed during these last five months that there's been sort of two groups of people. You have one group that when you strip all this away, they have nothing left to tether themselves to, nothing left to grab a hold of, nothing left to connect with. And I've watched them slowly drift away, slowly close off, slowly turn off God because their whole connection with God flows through the horizontal. But I've watched people that, yes, they miss all this stuff. They they want to be a part. They want to see, they want to worship together. They want to have all these things that enhance our Christian experience. But their vertical has stayed intact. In in fact, if you ask them, they would be closer now with Jesus than they were five months ago. You see, some people's relationship with Jesus flows through the horizontal. But others, their horizontal comes from their vertical. Meaning, there are some people who can only get to Jesus through their connections that are around them. Through either circumstances or mechanisms or people or whoever. 
And when you take all that away, they're left empty. They're left exposed. But then there's some that their connection, that vertical connection, and I say vertical, not that God's above us. So, so get it. The Bible says he's everywhere. So even God's below us. He's everywhere. So let's not get the idea that God is above us and only above us. I'm just using that in conference, in, co- in context, okay? But if we have this connection, this vertical thing, really, truly, it flows outward. There's a flow in our life, and therefore, the context of everything is a part of that connection with Jesus Christ. In the end, can I just tell you today, get connected to Jesus. If you don't hear anything I say for the next uh, 50 minutes or so, however long we're on here this morning, just get connected to him. Get connected to Jesus Christ. Make him the center of your life. Don't make him a part. You know, I've, I've read this before, heard someone say this, make Jesus a part of your life. No, don't do that. Please don't do that. Don't make Jesus a part of your life. That makes Jesus sound like an accessory. That makes Jesus sound like a, uh, uh, a, a, a side note, a, a, a lucky rabbit's foot, a horseshoe you carry around. Make Jesus a part of your life and everything's going to be great. No, no, don't make Jesus a part of your life. That's the worst thing you can do. Do not make him a part of your life. Make Jesus the center of your life. Make him the source. Make him the, make him the everything of your life. Don't make Jesus come into your life. Get your life into Jesus. It sounds, doesn't sound very different when you hear it, but it's completely worlds apart. Today, Jesus has become an accessory. He's become a companion. He's become that, that, that sort of uh, thing we need to make our life perfect. And he really is a part of most people's lives, but I don't want Jesus a part of my life. I want him to be the center of my life. I want my life to be founded upon him. I want him to be the rock and the source. And when the storms around me are raging, he's the constant. He's the anchor. That's the power of the anchor. The an anchor on a ship, when you drop that anchor, uh, if that anchor is dropped in the middle of the storm, the anchor does not keep the ship from going through the storm, but the anchor keeps the ship from moving in the storm. So when the storm's over, that ship is still where it was when the storm began. When, you, when you're anchored in Christ, when he is my anchor, it doesn't remove the storm around me, but it keeps me anchored in the storm that I know as long as the anchor holds, an old song that says the anchor holds, when you have a anchor that holds, when you keep that anchored into you, it doesn't matter if the waves and wind are beating on you, the anchor holds when the storm passes you still remain. Not because the ship is perfect, because the anchor holds. So can you just hear what I'm saying for you today, for someone today? I believe it's not me saying it. I believe the Lord's talking to someone today, even in the first 10 minutes here. Anchor your life in him. Make Jesus the source of your life. Make him the center of your life. I guarantee if you do that, it will change you. Can we just do this today? We do it often. I know it's... Different, but if you would join with me this morning in your own way, however you feel comfortable doing it. I know a lot of us watch in many different places. Some can, some watch in the privacy of their home. Some watch um, outside. Some may watch with others. And so maybe some of this may be awkward depending on where you are. But I wonder if you could take a moment, maybe just by simply closing your eyes, but in any whatever way you feel comfortable doing so, can we just take a moment 
and just give God praise and worship. And remember, I talked, I said this a couple months ago. One of the powerful things about praise and worship to God is the Bible says that he inhabits, dwells in the praises of his people. That when we when we praise him, uh, it's uh, here's a simple way of looking at it. Uh, the Bible says that he that he stands at the door and knocks. Right? He doesn't beat the door down. He doesn't ram the door down. He knocks at the door. So today, Jesus knocks at the door of a heart. How do we open the door? You say, well, he's knocking. How do I open it? One of the easiest ways to open the door is through praise, praise and worship. Because I look at it this way: your 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 life, your heart has two doors. The Bible says, "As we praise, He inhabits the praise of His people." I look at it for me simply as when I begin to worship and praise God, I'm opening up those doors to give God an invitation, a place to come and dwell today. Saying, God, I want you to dwell with me today. I want to dwell in you. I want you to be with me today. I don't want to live my life separate. I don't want to do my Sunday morning duty and go off with my life. So can we do that together? Just you and me, just here. Can we do that? Can you just, in your own way, express yourself to him, how you feel about him, what you think. Tell God what you think about him. Don't don't use my words, but tell God what you think about him. And as you do that, what you're really doing is you're saying, God, here I am. Here I am. I open up my heart to you today. Whatever you want to speak to me today, whatever you want to do in my life today, God, I'm opening up my heart to you today. Can we do that? Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for every person that's on here today. I thank you for everybody that's watching. I thank you for those that are going to watch. You know every single person that's watching today. You know where they are. You know what they're going through. You know exactly what they need. You know what they need before they even ask. But Lord, more than any of that, we just want to say that we we love you. We give you praise and glory and honor. I worship you today, God, for you are great. You are awesome. Not because my life is perfect. Not because everything in my life is going good. You're awesome just because of who you are. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy today. Thank you for your blood that's washed me and cleansed my life. Thank you, God, that even in the lowest parts and the dirtiest and down and the, and, and, and the worst parts of my life, you still love me. You still pulled me out of those times. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, I thank you for everything that we're going through right now. Thank you for the good things and the bad things because you're still worthy. And Lord, I, I so many times I give you thanks for what you do, but today I stop and just give you thanks for who you are. If you don't do anything today, God, you're still good because you've done so much for me. I could I could never express in 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 words how awesome you are and what you've done. But Lord, I love you today. I give you praise and I give you glory and I give you honor. I thank you that I can feel your presence. I thank you that you're here. I can feel you. I know you're here. But I pray, Lord, more than anything, that you would manifest yourself right now to those that are watching, to those whose hearts are opening, even as we give you thanks and praise, as we open our hearts to you. I speak in Jesus' name that you would manifest yourself to them today. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Welcome, everybody. Those of you that have just gotten on here over the last few minutes, thank you for joining us here, Antioch West Virtual. On a side note, um, before we get too far into this, I know a lot of you can see it, but I just got to point it out. I'll bend down here. You see it? Look up there, folks. Isn't that cool? 
We have brought Jesus. We have brought Jesus back. Hallelujah. So, in case you don't know, so above here on the back is these Jesus letters. Um, this goes back to, oh man, I don't even remember exactly. I guess uh, my father could probably give us the date and the time. Um, he's got that kind of memory. But uh, from when I was a kid, um, and uh, I remember on the back of the uh, church uh, buildings that we had and the auditoriums that we used, there'd always be the Jesus letters right behind the, the platform. And um, that's something that's just sort of become a staple of Antioch for almost 50 years. Not, well, for 50 years, but for the last probably 35 plus years, holy back to the Orange Sanctuary, for those of you that remember that. Uh, and so we've had that. And even though, even when we were using uh, Crofton, we had those up. Um, we had we were using a school, for those of you who don't understand the context. We were using a middle school to hold our Sunday services. And um, we had letters. And so uh, now that we're kind of making this a little semi-permanent, um, this has moved beyond just simply a couple of Sundays, uh, we had to get Jesus uh, in his, uh, the Jesus letters in the proper place. So we just got that yesterday. So I'm actually, I'm actually excited about that. It makes me feel like we've arrived. We've got the Jesus letters. So not everybody understands the context of that. Some of you don't really understand the context of it. But there's, some, there's a lot of you that know exactly what that means. And uh, although with my, with my head, it looks like Jeus. Jeus. So every once in a while, I have to bend down so you can see Jesus. Uh, but anyways, that, that uh, was something we kind of have been looking to do. And finally, we're able to get the job done this week. So we're excited about that. Real quickly, tonight, right at home, 7.30, back at it um, again, and um, love seeing you guys on there. So many of you jump on there. It's just been absolutely, I say this every week, and I really mean it. I could never imagine we would have so much fun and, 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 and enjoy uh, doing that as much as we have. So 7.30 um, tonight, and then Tuesday uh, at uh, 7.30 again, 7.30 again. 7.30, 8 o'clock on Tuesdays is Tuesday Talk. That's our summer series we're doing. And um, it's been awesome. I mean, I, I, I've had a blast doing those. More than, more than that, it's, I mean, God has really, really spoken uh, in those Tuesday Talks. Um, I know a lot of you have stuff going on in summer and you have a lot of things happening in your life. But if you have a chance, stop by. Tuesday Talks, it's 7.30, 8 o'clock. It's 30 minutes. 30 minutes. 30 minutes. So if you're outside and you're still sunning, getting tan, 30 minutes on your phone, Tuesdays. Praise God. Amen. Let's get into it today. Um, now that we kind of got all that out of the way, let's get into it this morning. And I want to uh, share with you something that's sort of, actually it ties a little bit, tiny, tiny, tiny bit um, to Tuesday, uh, to last Tuesday's talk, Tuesday talk. Um not quite to that extent. We're going to kind of take it another direction. But sort of since then, it's something that's been churning over and over in me. And um, uh, I just got it this morning, and it just still was there. And so uh, I can't get it out of my spirit, so to speak. So um, I want to share this with you today, or I don't want to share it. I believe the Lord wants to share it. Hopefully I don't share it, because uh, my words really don't have meaning at all. Um, I believe this is what the Lord wants to share with us today. So 
Uh, I want to read to you a portion of scripture, Hebrews chapter 12. It's, uh, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, four verses. Hebrews 12, uh, verse 14, Hebrews 12, 14. You can grab a Bible. If not, you can go back later and read it. I would encourage you to do so. Um, but I'm going to read it to you today. I'm actually reading out of what's called the New King James Version. So if you've got another version of the Bible and mine sounds differently, uh, I'm reading out of the New King James Version. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 14 says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord, looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this many become defiled. Lest anyone be a fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance though he sought it diligently with tears. This reference that is given to us in Hebrews chapter 12 goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. It is one of the most tragic and sad stories of the Bible. A lot of you know the story. Uh, give me just a moment here to give the framework of it because I think of all the stories in the Bible, this has got to be one of the saddest and most tragic of stories in all of Scripture. And basically, it was these two brothers. They were twins, Esau and Jacob. Esau came out of his mother's womb just moments before Jacob. In fact, the Bible says that when Jacob came out, he was clutching hold of Esau's heel. Uh, and so these boys were born just moments apart, but because of the inheritance and because of the power of being the firstborn, in Esau... Uh, became the one to inherit the blessing. Esau was the one to inherit the birthright. It was Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. That was going to be the lineage. That was what was going to be carried on. Um, Esau uh, grew up, and as they got older, the Bible doesn't clearly say how old they were, but they had to be old enough. They weren't just kids anymore. They had to be old enough that they were young men. How old a young man is? I know 70-year-olds that consider themselves young men. So I, I don't know how old they were, but they weren't kids. Story goes that Esau was out hunting, came back, and was extremely hungry. And I'm giving the the small cliff note version here. Uh, he comes back, he's extremely hungry. And Jacob, in his sort of kind of um, 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 sort of scheming way, if you want to call it that, decides here's an opportunity to take away something that I want from Esau, and I want it because, hey, I was born a couple of minutes after him. Why am I going to be the one that suffers through life because I was two minutes late to the party? Um, so he makes this, he comes up with a scheme. He says, hey, Esau, you're hungry. I got this amazing bowl of chicken noodle soup right here. I know you're hungry, so would you like some of that chicken noodle soup? Uh, but here's the deal. I'll give you the soup if you give me your birthright. And in the most shocking, and I know every, I've heard people with many different takes on why this took place 
and and there's a lot of good points made and all that. And so there's a lot of depth to this story, obviously. But in just the 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 pureness of it, in just one of the most bizarre, just palm face to the palm moments of of all of history, Esau says, "Sure, I'll give you my birthright for a bowl of chicken noodle soup." And he gives him that, and he trades all of this, that it became the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's the lineage, right? It should be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. That's what should be. It should be, that's the power of this birthright. This was not just the birthright of a, of a man inheriting his father's farm. It wasn't the birthright of a man inheriting a few heads of cattle, or a few sheep, or some goats, or a few chickens. This was the birthright that carried the lineage of a nation and eventually in which Jesus Christ came under. The man Christ Jesus came under this lineage. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It should have been Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. This wasn't some, this was giving away everything. This was giving away royalty. This was giving away from the top. This is giving, this is giving away something that is beyond comprehension. And he gave it all away for a bowl of chicken noodle soup. And we look back at that story and we are just, I mean, I don't know how you are with that, but I look at that story and I go, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. I mean, just insane, right? We, we look at it like that, we can't even imagine. And obviously, the writer of Hebrews, who was writing Hebrews, I don't know, a thousand years after these events, somewhere in those natures, I don't know exactly the timeline of how long, Abraham, uh, Isaac, uh, I mean, Jacob and Esau's story from the writers of Hebrews, but it was hundreds of years later, hundreds of years, not a few, not a few decades. It was hundreds. It was a few centuries later. He's there's still that story had such an impact that even the writer of Hebrews is still saying, yeah, that, that guy Esau, man, did he ever blow it. Don't be like a fornicator or a profane person like this guy Esau who for a bowl of chicken noodle soup sold his birthright. And when it was all said and done, he realized what he did. He tried to get it back. Couldn't find it even though he sought for it with many tears. Even the guy in Hebrews was going, this is the craziest thing of all time. And here we are 2,000 years later and we still look back at that and we read that story and we can't even comprehend. How was that possible? How does this guy give up something so powerful for something so momentary? Something so small? Something so, I mean, come on, let's be honest. We, if I gave you right now your favorite meal, what is your favorite meal? Anybody, come on. You know, we'll ask you to, we've, we've done this on Ride at Home before. We've asked, you know, what's your favorite food? What's your favorite meal? If you could only eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? I mean, pizza. Pizza was at was at the top of the game. Like pizza, I think tacos was a part of that. That was what pizza. I mean, you start talking about pizza right at home on Sunday night, man. You get people fired up. Something about pizza, and you throw some tacos in there, and next thing you know, I mean, people are. I mean, you'll get people fired up. You start talking about pizza and tacos, but even the best, let's just say pizza, even the best pizza. Sundays are usually, most of the time, in our house, Sunday is pizza night. Now, we shifted, just in case some of you, some of you know this. we got to let you know. I know this is life-changing stuff here. 
We shifted our pizza time from after Sunday to after Sunday night because during quarantine, everything shut down. And at Sunday night, when we would be done right at home, there was nothing left open except mod pizza. So I like pizza, but having pizza Sunday afternoon and Sunday night wasn't feasible. So we'd started making pizza our Sunday night. So I digress. But pizza, I love pizza. I, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm, I love pizza. Pizza's, I mean, yeah, you cannot go wrong with pizza. You can't do it, folks. I'm telling you right now, you can't go wrong. But even the best pizza, if you eat, if I sit down right now and it's, what time is it? It's, it's early. It's not pizza time yet. Stomach has to wake up a little bit for pizza. Some of you that like cold pizza for breakfast, that's taking it way too far. But if I set down pizza today right now in front of me, I would eat that. But guess what's going to happen? In a few hours, I'm still going to be hungry. If I took you to the finest restaurant in the world right now and gave you a plate of food and gave it to you, it was the best tasting food you ever had. It doesn't matter how much you enjoy that plate of food. Guess what? By that evening or by that night, you're going to be stopping by McDonald's to get a large fry and a Diet Coke because you're hungry. So you're going to go from a $1,000 plate of food to 99 cent fries off the dollar menu because you're hungry. So even if the soup was the greatest chicken noodle soup of all time, it's crazy to think about it. We look back at that and go, how is this guy trained? It, even if it was the greatest soup ever, even if this chicken noodle soup that Jacob made was the best soup of all time, there's no way it would be worth selling and giving up everything for that moment. We see that. We, 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 we look at that and we go, there, there's no way that could happen. Crazy. How, I mean, how, come on. I mean, come on, Esau. Suck it up, man. There's no way you could have been that hungry. And we see that perspective. But don't forget, we're looking back at something that Esau was looking at. We're looking back at a decision that he was facing in the moment. Because you know what's really sad about that? Is the same way we look back at Esau and go, how in the world are you giving up all of that for this, God is doing the same thing with a lot of us today. He's saying, I'm offering you all of this. I'm going to give you all of this, but yet you're trading all of this because you have a momentary need that you're willing to sacrifice all of this just to fulfill your momentary pleasure. I know, listen. I'm gonna just throw this out here because I, 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 I'm, I'm a human being. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm human, and I wrestle sometimes. When this has been churning with me for the last week or so, and it was hitting me again last night. I got up this morning, and it just was on me again. I could feel it, and I'm kind of, you know, saying to the Lord, God, it's, you know, can you give me something cheerful today? I mean, come on, this is, this is tough times we're living in. God, come on, this is tough. I mean, we're all dealing with all this stuff. Give me something that, you know, woo, it's going to be okay. And God's like, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm talking about. Last week we talked about chasing normal, that we're chasing something that God is not interested in giving to us. God's not trying to give you your normal. He's trying to give you his normal. And here I am this morning and I'm, I'm, 
I'm not, I guarantee you, I don't have you standing in your, in your living room shouting and dancing. But God is trying to get through to somebody and someone and some of us because if we don't change our perspective, we are going to give up so much for so little. How would you change today? It's August the 2nd, 2020, 10.33 a.m. in the morning. How would today change for you? What do you have planned today? You're going to go out, do something today? Preferably for those of you after life group. Don't, don't be skipping out on life group today. But when all this is done, you're going to go out and do something today. You're going to have time to work in the yard or go out and maybe take a walk or take a Sunday drive. or What are you, what are you going to do today? You have plans, errands. Maybe today is a chill day for you. Whatever. we got plans, right? We all have stuff we're going to do today. We have plans. We have things we're going to do today. We have it all mapped out. Let me ask you this. How would those plants change today if I got up this morning and said, I need, I, need, I, need to, I need to tell you something? By tonight, at midnight, you're going to be dead. I know, I, know, I know that's a morbid thing to say, but just work with me for a moment. If I said to you today, listen, by tonight, at midnight, you're going to be dead. How would your day change? How would the perspective of your day change? There's an, there's an old country song by Tim McGraw that says, live like you were dying. And it's in the song, he, he talked about the fact that, uh, that life, how would life change if you lived as if you were dying? And in the song, I think, I can't remember all the lyrics, but I think he went skydiving. He went climbing mountains. Uh, what was the name of that? He went 3.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. He loved deeper, spoke sweeter, and gave for... Oh, that's the other part of that song. Now, I'm not... Don't be... Don't be... Don't, don't Tim McGraw. I'm not giving Tim McGraw his credit. I'm just using the song. So, we haven't digressed here. He said, I... Love sweeter, uh, spoke sweeter, love deeper, something like that. But the one powerful song part about the song was he said, I gave forgiveness I've been denying. All because his perspective changed because he lived like he was dying. What would you change today if you knew by the time you closed your eyes tonight you would be dead? Now I get it. I, I, some of you are like, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm done. Done. I got to turn it off. I can't. I can't apologize for what I'm saying today because it's what God's given me. I don't believe I'm speaking my words. I really do believe I'm speaking His words today. How would you change? Who would you pick up the phone and call today and tell them, say, "Listen, I'm really sorry for the way I've been. I don't want anything to be between us." How would you change your perspective? What things would you do? What things would you not do? What, what, what great struggles of life right now would pale in comparison to the fact that life would be ending in just 13 and a half hours from now? 
Again, I know it's morbid. I know, I know, I know in the midst of all the stuff we're dealing with, we don't want to go there. We don't want to go there. We don't, don't, don't go there today. I need happy. I need clouds. I need rainbows. I need unicorns. I need Skittles. Something. I don't want to talk about this. But we need to look at this because this is at the core of what life's about. Because can I say this? And I don't want to offend anybody, but it just, it needs to be said. In a lot of ways, we've turned into a spoiled generation. We are. If you have, sometimes I, I love how people, you know, talk about, oh, it's, you know, life is so bad. Our world is so bad. Can you believe it's never been like this? I, you know what I got to say to some people? Read a book. You need to read a book. Because is, uh, is life difficult? Yeah. Is life hard? Yeah. Uh, is there a lot of things right now that are just out of control? Yeah. But you need to go read a book. I mean, Read, read the culture of the Bible. Huh. When most of the people in the Bible were slaves, most of the people in the Bible were in extreme poverty. But even in, even in this situation we're right now, most of us have a roof over our head. We've got air conditioning to some degree. We've got lights. Most of us have an ability to have clothes on our back. Most of us have a, an expectation of living some semblance of a life of X amount of years because of the healthcare system and all the advancements in medicine. Most of us have access. I don't have mine here. It's upstairs. But most of us have access to this, this thing, this cell phone that is absolutely the most revolutionary technology ever invented. We've got all this stuff that really makes us. And, and if you go back and read, I was reading... Um, my kids, we homeschool our kids and, uh, not because of quarantine, we've chosen to do that pre-quarantine. Not everybody's homeschooling, but, uh, so I'm a history guy. And so sometimes I try to bring history to life, you know, teaching kids, my kids. And so I was reading back through some stuff, history and realized just even the foundation of our country, the, the people that ventured West over the Oregon trail, and I was reading this one account written in this person's diary, this woman, how she had to bury her husband along the trail. Didn't have, didn't have time to stop, didn't have time to mourn, didn't have time to have a funeral, didn't have time to have a wake, didn't have time to have a, you know, times of grieving. They had to bury, bury him and move forward because they couldn't stay where they were or they'd die. Because of the Indians and because of the fact that they were in a territory that wasn't suitable. Uh, and so they had to keep going. And she had to leave her husband and she had to keep going and she had kids she had to take. And she went, uh, eventually, I think she ended up somewhere in the San Francisco area, California, ended up having a whole new life, but had this moment. Suffering and pain and loss was so relevant even in just generations a hundred years ago. Those that my, my grandparents uh, and some of your family members and maybe even someone's watching today lived with the with the reality of wars and World War II, 100 million people died. And we live in this current situation. Yeah, and things are not good. That's not, I'm not trying to tell you today things are good. But the perspective of our life is completely different. And if we're not careful, we get really easily trapped into a thinking that God never intends on fulfilling Kind of talked about it last week, right? Where it's the new normal, where we're chasing normal. We're chasing this normal. We're chasing this idea of normalcy that God never intends of doing. And if we're not careful, 
taking that a little step further, we chase this utopic understanding of God that he has never intended on bringing us. He's never intended on bringing us life of wonder and peace and perfection and easy and love. God never intended this life to be easy. In fact, Rick Warren uh, makes a, uh, I've used this before, um, but Rick Warren, um, who is a pastor in California and also writer of many books, he has one of the most powerful quotes, uh, statements that I've read, and I used it many, many times. He says this, God is more interested in your character than your comfort. And God is more interested in making your life holy than he is in making your life happy. You see, that flies into the face of our current understanding of this world. We live in the Disney generation. Walt Disney has done more to shape our understanding of life than probably the Bible today. Because Walt Disney, through the skill of drawing pictures, made everything out to be in the end. The prince and the princess get together and they live Happily ever after in the castle because they've killed the dragon. And so our life is built upon this premise that we're all looking for that final pinnacle of achievement where we find the prince or the princess, we slay the dragon, and we live happily ever after in the kingdom that we create for ourselves. And that's our entire being is 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 pulled into this and we want God to fulfill those desires we want God to be that to us God I want you to do this and God take care of that and I have to be honest with you and this is not going to make a very popular statement but God has really no intent of making your life this perfect life and making you always just smiling and life is great does that mean that God doesn't give you peace no, he gives you peace. But I tell you this, one of the weirdest things about peace, and some of you won't know this because you've never really truly experienced peace, one of the craziest aspects of peace is to have peace and be miserable at the same time. I'm not, you've not, it's the craziest thing. Have you ever experienced it? Why? Because peace is not something that's external. Peace is internal. You can have peace in your heart and be miserable in your flesh. I've been there. It's the weirdest thing. It is so weird to be at peace and content and be miserable at the same time. But that's God. He promised peace. He promised joy. Remember, joy is not ha ha ha, laugh, giggle. Hey, life is funny. Let's tell jokes. That's not joy. That's laughter. That's happiness. Happiness is, is, is fleeting. Happiness is an emotion. Joy is, is, joy is sustaining. Joy is strength. Joy is from Him. Joy is not based off emotion. Joy is based off of who he is and who you are. He promised peace. Joy. And he promised righteousness. Well, you don't need righteousness if you've never made mistakes. Righteousness is the product of knowing that we are frail in our humanity and we make mistakes. Therefore, he offers us righteousness. Righteousness is innocence. You don't have to give innocence to those who've never made a mistake. Congratulations. So the three things that he promises to give us in the Holy Ghost, righteousness, peace, and joy, are all products of the fact that this life is going to be difficult. And he has no intention of making it smooth. 
Now, you can become frustrated with that and you become jaded and you can tune me out or tune God out and say, that's not fair, life's not fair, and you're right. If that's the perspective by which you live, life is not fair. Why do they get sunshine and I get rain? Why do they get why do they get uh, uh, happiness and I'm constantly dealing with sorrow? Why do they get a life of no problem and I get a life of nothing but pain and suffering and heartache? Why? 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 Life's not fair. And to that perspective, you are correct. Life isn't fair. We look at the people on the magazines, we look at the people on television, and we look at their life, and I look at my life, and comparison, it doesn't look fair. But that's the greatest deception of it all. It's the story of the golden windows. You ever heard the story of the golden windows? There's a story of the golden windows. It goes like this. A little boy lived on a farm. He'd get up every morning. He'd look across the field. And way, way, way down on the other side of the field, just peeking over the horizon, there was a house with golden windows. Because every morning when he'd get up, he'd look across that field and he'd see the golden windows gleaming, shining bright. In the morning, light. And he looked at the golden windows and he said, Wow, what a life it must be like. How amazing it must be to live in a house with golden windows. Windows of gold. Wow, what a life. And every morning he'd get up and he'd look across that field and he'd see the golden windows. And he'd go, Why can't my life be like that? Why? So eventually one day the little boy decided he wanted to meet the people in the house with the golden windows. And so he walked across the field and when he got to the other side, he looked around and didn't see anything. And suddenly a little girl came out of the house and said, hey, what are you doing? And the little boy said, I'm looking for a house. And she goes, what house? He says, I'm looking for a house with the golden windows. And she said, well, this isn't the house with the golden windows. He goes, I know, I don't find, I can't see them. Where are they? She goes, this is the wrong house. Here, quick, come, come, come. I'll show you where the house with the golden windows. And at that time, the sun was beginning to set. And they went upstairs to her bedroom. And she looked out the windows. She said, see that house across the field, way over there across the field? She goes, look. That's the house with the golden windows. And at that time, as the sun began to set, the house across the field lit up. And the windows appeared to be gold. And the little boy said, wait a minute. That house doesn't have golden windows. That's my house. Your house is the one with the golden windows. She goes, my house never had golden windows. That house has golden windows. And he said, but I live there. My house doesn't have golden windows. You see, when I'm looking through the window of the, the windows of my own life, I look across the field at somebody else. It appears as if their windows are shining with gold. And when I look at that and I judge my life that I can get a jaded perspective of why, 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 why God? And then I go to God and I say, God, make my windows golden. 
Because if they've got gold, I should have gold. And God's like, nobody's got gold. Who's got gold? But God, I want my life to be. And we, 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 we build our life based off what we think it should look like, based off the people around us or based off some kind of perfect idea of what really would make us happy. God, I want this. And God, I want this house. And I want this car. And I want this husband. I want this wife. I want this. I want this. Because I think if I get those things and God's like, because those are the golden windows. What things right now are you looking at that you think are glistening with gold, but they're not glistening with gold. It's just the sun's on them right now. And because of the perspective you have, it looks like they're gold. And because of that, you're taking the gun and you're going, God, I, I, I get, why is my life this way? And we're, some of you are frustrated with God and some of you are upset with God and you're growing bitter and cold and your heart's becoming hardened to God because he's not making your life like the golden windows you see on the other side of the field of life. And God's going, there are no golden windows. I'm not trying to make your life gold. I'm trying to build your character. I'm trying to build your character. I'm trying to prepare you for something greater. But all you want to do is stare at the bowl of chicken noodle soup and make the life decisions that will alter eternity and go, I'll choose a moment of chicken noodle soup to give up all of this. And God's going, why? And we look back at Esau and go, what a fool he must have been to give all of this up for a moment. But yet some of us are being drawn in by the tantalizing smells and the salivating taste of that chicken noodle soup of life, that chicken noodle soup of dreams, the chicken noodle soups of the American way that, oh, if I can just get this, if I can get the chicken noodle soup of a better job, a better house, a better spouse, a better this, a better that, oh, it could make a life different. And yet we're willing to give up all of it eternity for just that moment I know this is not a Sunday morning thought that you want to hear my shirt today my shirt one is greater than 99 that doesn't make sense in the comparison of looking only at this life because why would he leave the 99 to go after the one The nine, he's got 99 99 come on he's got 99 What's the one? What's the big deal about the one? Let's keep the 99 happy. Let's keep the 99 fed. One is not that big of a deal. It's 1%. We don't have it. But the Bible says that Jesus left the 99 to go after the one. He left the 99, went after the one. Why? Because it's not just about the moment. That's a chicken noodle soup way of looking at it. This shirt should read 99 is greater than one, but the way... That's an Esau mentality. But a Jesus mentality is one is greater than 99. Because I'm not just looking at the moment. I see something bigger than the moment. I've got a rope, piece of rope here. This rope extends out of the view of the camera. The end of the rope goes on for a while. For some reason here it's a little tangled. But if I look at this rope today and I look at the length of this rope and for argument's sake let's just assume 
that this rope went on forever, even though it doesn't. It's not a magical rope. It's a Home Depot rope, folks. It's not a magical rope. But let's just assume, for argument's sake, that this rope went on for eternity. This rope, in all of its length, look at that's. I think it's like 70 feet long, actually. Look at the length of this rope. Pretty good rope. Goes on forever. Let's just assume today that this rope represents the timeline of your life. Just for a moment. The beginning of this rope represents the day you were born. For me, September 12th, 1980 was the start of my rope. It's pretended today that that starting point began the timeline of my life that continues to go on and 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 on never stops the moment i came into existence september 12th 1980 i think it was at noon my soul came into existence my spirit and body became one and that will never end it will go on forever my soul will live forever According to the word of God, spirit will go back to God who gave it. My body will go back to the dust from where it came. But my soul is forever. This rope became the timeline of my life. What's a good life? What's, what's, a, what's a full life? 80 years? 90? I mean, 90 years. I mean, wow. 90 years. That's a life, right? I mean, you're you feel good at I mean, I mean, you feel good if you can reach certain milestones, but man, you you get to ninety. Feels like after ninety, right? I mean, that's 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 been a life. A life. And if you get to a hundred, I mean man, a hundred years after a hundred years, every day every day you wake up as a bonus after a hundred, right? But let's just pretend that this is the timeline of life. I took this moment of this just for sake here. I don't know if you can even see this on the camera. We'll give it a shot. I'm just going to mark the very beginning of this thing if I can. If it comes out visual or not, I'm looking. I don't see it. I'll try to get it close to the camera here. If I mark this here for a moment. Let's just say... You are going to live to 100 years old. For some of you, that's probably not as far off as it is for others, but just for perspective, we'll just could use the good old 100 number. Can you see that? Oh, you can a little bit. I'll put it on my, on my white forehead here so you can see it against my white forehead. See the tip of that? Let's see if that tip represented 100 years of life. 100 years is a long time, right? Perspective of life. 100 years. It's a long life. 
I don't think anybody attends the funeral of a hundred-year-old and says, boy, their life was cut short. They didn't, they didn't live very long. Their life was cut short. You go to a funeral of a hundred-year-old, you say, man, they lived a long and long, long life. No one looks at a hundred-year-old and go, man, they, they died young. Perspective. If this was that red tip. Remember, the beginning of this rope represents the day you were born, that red tip. If that represented a hundred years of existence, a hundred years, it's pretty good. What can you do? If I said to you today, you're going to live to a hundred, you're like, man, I got a lot of years left. I got, for me, I got 60 years left. 60 years. I've got a whole lifetime and a half left. I got, I got time. And I got time to go do stuff. I got time to see things. I got time to, I got time to, to chill. I got time for vacation. I got time to relax. I got time to just, just to, to live life, man. But you know what? If that same tip of a hundred years represents the timeline of my existence, what is that little red tip compared to, 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 to the totality of the rest of this rope? Look at this rope. Still going, 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 still going. It would, it still goes on for good ways. Anybody here want to argue in comparison the length of this rope to the length of the red tip in which I just colored? Look at the difference here. This little small quarter inch dot that I've colored on the top of this rope compared to the length over here. There's no comparison. You see, we look at our life zoomed in under magnification of a 10,000 and we see every single tiny thread, every single molecule that makes up the fabric or makes up the material. I think this is nylon. We, we, we zoom in to the, to the very atoms that create the nylon that represent the days of our life. And if I zoomed in to this right now, if I zoomed in to the, to the molecular level of this nylon rope today, and I zoomed way in, and I could even somehow under magnification, I could see the molecular structure of this rope, and I could see it stained with the pigment of this Sharpie. I would go, man, look at this. Look at that. Look at all of this. And that's what we see life as, right? We're zoomed in under uh, 10 million magnification to the molecular structure of this red speck. But God is seeing all of it. God sees the length of eternity. God sees the 
totality of eternity. I see the molecular structure of nylon zoomed in to a million magnification. And I'm going, well, I'd like to be able to, you know, if this atom could get over here next to this atom, and this molecule could change here, and we could change this structure here, and we could move these guys around, and that would be awesome, right? And, and we're trying to change this. We really want to make this. This tip has got to be perfect gotta make this tip awesome i want this tip to be everything i want to i want i want it all what what i don't really care about this rope i want the tip to be perfect i want the tip to be great what does it matter so we're willing to throw all of this away so we can save this what have i told you today look if somehow today i this was damaged so let's say today that somehow this got dirty, muddy. I dipped it, I dipped this tip into some mud outside. And I said to you today, oh, the rope's no good. Let's throw it away. You're like, what's wrong with the rope? Well, the tip got a little dirt on the mud. It's a little, it's a little muddy. I need to get rid of the rope. You're like, what is wrong with you? The rope's fine. Look. Look at all the rope you've got. You have plenty of rope. So what? The tip's a little messed up. It's not a big deal. You've got a lot of rope. You wouldn't throw away the rope because even if right now you, you, you took a lighter and you lit this tip on fire and it got a little charred, you would say, oh, man. Oh, the rope is so messed up because it got burned at the tip. You'd go, dude, what is wrong with you? The rope is fine. The tip is not a big deal. Look how big the rope is. Are you willing to sacrifice your entire rope for the molecular structure? What if we were able to zoom way in on this and decided, oh, wow, that doesn't look right. There's, there's, a, there's a, a molecule of dust trapped in the fabric of this rope that came from the factory in which it was spun. And we discovered it. Oh, well, I mean, this rope is supposed to be brand new. It's supposed to be pure. It's supposed to be spotless. We've, Of course, we've got to throw away the rope and go to the store and buy a new one because way down in the depth of the fabric, we found on a molecular scale a little speck of dust. That wasn't supposed to be there. So let's throw away the rope. You see... I'm not trying to make light of it today. I'm trying to lend you some perspective that Esau lost. Esau could only see the chicken noodle soup. He lost the eternal magnitude of the birthright. We look back and go, how in the world can this guy have done that? But yet, there are those of you that are watching today that you're trading this because you're too focused on that. You're, you're holding on to things. You're holding on to grudges. You're holding on to anger. You're holding on to fear. You're holding on to resentment because all you see is this. You've lost this. And then you go to God and you're like, God, life isn't fair. Why have you done this, God? What are you doing to me? It's not fair. God's going. Um, okay. 
Um, I'm offering you a eternity of peace. No more sorrow. No more pain. No more goodbyes. I'm offering you an eternity with me. And you want to just say that I'm unfair? Because the dot at the start of your rope isn't what you want it to be. And you're going to get offended with me over this when I'm offering you that. Now you know why God cares more about your character than he does about your comfort. Because you'll carry your character into this realm, but your comfort stays at the tip of your rope. Your character will live at the tip of this rope, but your comfort, your, your comfort will live at the tip of this rope. Your character will travel with you forever. That's why God is more concerned about the eternal than he is the temporal. That's why Paul says we look at the things that we cannot see because the things that we see are temporal, but the things we don't see are eternal. And if we have, if we only hope in Romans, he said to the Romans in chapter eight, if we only hope in the things that we can see, we will, we will miss it because true hope lies in the things that we can't see. I'm not here today to depress you. I'm not here today to try to make light or to diminish the pain or the struggle or the frustration that you may be dealing with today on some level. I'm not here today to try to pretend that what you're going through isn't a big deal. I'm not here today to try to tell you that God doesn't love you and he doesn't care and he doesn't want to heal you. I believe in all that. I believe God can heal. I believe God can deliver. I believe God can change. I, I live it every day. I believe a life with Jesus Christ is the greatest life you can have. I sit here today. I really, honestly, don't have a lot of complaining to do. Does that mean because life is perfect? Oh, man, that's way beyond perfect. But I sit here today because... He's showing, shown me his way is above my way. His thoughts are above my thoughts. I'm not here today to diminish your pain, your problems, your suffering, your difficulty. I'm not here today to diminish things that have been done to you, injustices that have been done to you, abuses. I'm not here to diminish any of that. God doesn't diminish. I'm not sitting here today to say that God is somehow jaded and doesn't look down at you and, and see the hurt, see the pain. I'm not saying that or not. But in the end, when God looks at you, he doesn't see the red dot of your moment. He sees the totality of your rope.
So when God answers your prayers or doesn't answer your prayers, he's not basing it off of the red tip. God is basing it off of the full part of your rope. That's why, in the end, it's not about life being fair. In the end, it's not about, God, why are you not answering this? God, why? God, I need this. Why aren't you doing this? God, why have you left this in my life? God, why did you allow this to happen? God, what did you do to this? God's like, you. Because I'm not just seeing the red tip. I'm seeing the whole rope. I'm not going to throw away the rope because of the tip. Is the tip important? Yes, because the tip defines where the rope begins. But after that, the tip is irrelevant. The rope is the rope. The tip is just a way we can define the beginning of the rope. But it's this. What is there in your life right now, in the red tip of your life, that you're willing to hold on to at the sake of this? What tantalizing bowl of chicken noodle soup is sitting in front of you right now that this world is pushing to you going, smell it. Ooh, here, get a good whiff of this. Ooh, that chicken noodle soup sounds good. What is this world pushing in front of your senses today that is causing you to question and being willing to give up all of this so that you can have a momentary satisfaction in this. You see, with this perspective, we know, most of us know, that pleasure only lasts for a moment. Most of us know that pleasure only lasts for a time. In fact, even the Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. But let's just take it to the full max. Let's say pleasure never went away. Let's see the pleasure of sin, the pleasure of, of all of the, the lustful, fleshy things of this world never went away. That you could enjoy those pleasures on end and never stop. Wow. I mean, it's tantalizing, right? That's a, that's a pretty pretty uh, uh, I don't know what to say it's a pretty enticing bowl of chicken noodle soup I mean you're giving me pleasure that never goes away wow what a life but how does that pleasure compare to the fact that you can have this but you lose this I don't know. Is it worth it? For some, sadly, they become so focused on the tip that they've had the ability to remove everything else and only see the moment. Esau could only see the tip. He missed the totality of the rope. Forgiveness 
bitterness, anger, resentment, all of those things feel so justifiable when you only see the tip. But when you compare it to the totality, is there anything worth holding on to today? Can you just take a moment right where you are? Can you just close your eyes? I know that sounds may sound weird for some. It may be awkward, but I feel like this is a very intimate moment that you can just between you and Jesus. An intimate moment where you can just take a moment and close your eyes so that you can focus on him. Can you ask God today to help you? Don't be an Esau. Don't be, don't be distracted. Don't be seduced by the chicken noodle soup of this world that gets your eyes on the tip that you lose the focus of the entirety of the rope. What is it that now, right now, God is pricking your heart, tapping you so everly, so gently, so softly, going, let me have this. Let me get do this. Let go of that. What are those things right now that God's dealing with you about that you said, I can't do it, God. I, I can't do it. I can't forgive. I can't let it go. I can't get over it, God. What's done? And God said, yes, you can, but you can't get over it if all you're ever going to do is look at the tip of the rope. I want to show you the whole rope. If you see the whole rope, he saw, you'll know that this moment of hunger, this moment of, of, of desire for, for, for food will only last for a moment. But the rope lasts forever, Esau. Don't get trapped up in the moment and trying to satisfy the moment that you're willing to give up all of the rope. In the name of Jesus. Father, I know that you've spoken today. I felt your, I felt your words today. I could feel you speaking. I could feel your words today. I could feel your heartbeat. I could feel your compassion. I could feel your love. I could feel the urgency of your heart today because you, you see us where we are. You know exactly what's going on in our heart and mind. And you can feel some of us struggling with things right now. We're struggling with life. We're struggling with asking why. We're struggling with you. We're struggling with the things around us. We're struggling with the world. We're struggling with the why. We're struggling with the frustrations. We're struggling with all this. And and and, and instead of turning our back on the things that can't satisfy, we're turning our backs on you. God, I pray today that you would by your mercy and grace, you would shine your light down on us today that we could see, we could see, open our eyes today, today, God. Open our hearts today, open our eyes today. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Lord, your word said that this life is but a vapor. Here today and gone the next. Don't let us trade in eternity for the moment in the vapor. In the name of Jesus today, in the name of Jesus, change our perspective, change our outlook, God. Don't let us see the tip of the rope, but God, show us today the entirety of it all. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, for those that are that are watching today, God, that don't know how to forgive, that don't see like they have the strength to forgive, or may not even know how to do it, I pray today, Lord, that by your grace you would show them and that you would empower them to forgive by your 
grace I forgive. By your grace I release. By your grace I forgive and release. Not because somehow that's going to, to that, that somehow that, that it sounds like we're giving up, but God really what we're doing is we're seeing the rope and not getting focused on the tip. In the name of Jesus. 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 I know today has not been Maybe what you have came expecting. I know for some of you, you probably wish you would have got something more uplifting, something that would have made you jump up, run around the room, go, yes, it's going to be okay. But you know what? Some days you've got to be reminded the fact that there's a whole lot of rope left. Don't give up because you don't like where the tip currently is because God doesn't see just the tip God sees the entirety of the rope don't be an Esau don't give up over a bowl of chicken noodle soup because God sees the end from the beginning and calls those things that are not as though they were. God sees the end from the beginning. He sees the entirety of the rope. Would you sincerely ask Jesus to show you the fullness of the rope that you don't get caught up chasing the chicken noodle soup of this world and the chicken noodle soup of the moment? that you lose the perspective of eternity in Jesus' name. God bless you. Thank you for watching. I pray in Jesus' name that you would take this word into your heart and that you would take it and you and Jesus would have a conversation about it because I don't believe it was my words. I believe he's talking to you today. Would you listen to what he's saying in Jesus' name?